everybody, and welcome to the Seven Innings Podcast, and may the 4th be with you. We're taping the uh, show on May the 4th. We're all Star Wars fans. Amanda's got the hair going. Holly's got the T-shirt on. I uh, come to you from aboard the Millennium Falcon. Jess has the lightsaber. I think we need to look at the pants, too, Jess. You are you are head to toe. May the 4th be with you. Nice. Oh, wow. Beth, can I, can I be really honest with everybody right now before we go on? I've never seen Star Wars before. <gasps> I know. I'm sorry. I am, It's not by, like, oh, I'm against it. Amanda, it's okay. I had never seen a Star Wars movie until I had two boys. So, like, my entire life. And I grew up in the 80s. So, like, how I missed the Star Wars. I knew about Ewoks, and that was it. <laughs> And, and then I had two boys, and now we're a Star Wars obsessed family. Okay, so there's hope for me. You're saying yeah, it'll come. Good news is you may have time on your hands right now, so you could catch up on the Star Wars series. Help, I, help us out with this plus, okay? Uh, Patrick, Patrick Murphy, the head coach of the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide, is with us from the. Is that the newly renovated Rhodes House we got behind you, Coach? Yes, it is, and uh, Amanda. I'm with you because I have never seen a Star Wars oh either. High five, James. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, there goes my first question, whether or not Murph has a favorite Star Wars moment from the late 70s, early 80s. So we'll move on from that. <laughs> no, I, I need to. I need to start from the very first one and then just keep going. Yes, that's the best way to do it. Watch them in, in order. Um, of course, Murph is always a welcome guest here on the podcast, but in particular this week, we, we thought it would be appropriate. Since we can't be in T-Town, we thought we would bring T-Town to America because this was supposed to be the SEC tournament week leading up to the SEC championship. And then, of course, next week, uh, we, we would have known the tournament field, right? Selections would have been uh, starting to pour out. So uh, I guess, first of all, Murph, give us an update on the Rhodes House. How's she looking? And, um, you know, what's kind of the feel uh, around the program right now? Well, we had uh, $3 million worth of renovations start around Labor Day weekend. The construction company was incredible to work with. Everything was done. They actually gave us the keys back to the Rhodes House a week early. So we got to enjoy um, probably, what, about a month of, of all the new stuff. You guys would have had a, a renovated press box. We had a brand new concession stand, restroom for the fans, three more ticket booths. People, one of our biggest complaints was standing in line to buy a ticket. And so we uh, alleviated that. Uh, umpires got a brand new changing room, locker room, shower area. Uh, and then our clubhouse got totally renovated. Uh, Steph, our pitching coach, got a brand new bullpen. The opponents got a brand new bullpen. Um, it was just things that we kind of needed because of um, our fans and the amenities that they needed to really make the fan experience uh, still the best one in college softball. So the the reviews of the new concession stand were really, really good. We had like barbecue. We had a Chick-fil-A stand. I mean, we had some good food at the Rhodes house. And uh, I can't tell you how much uh, – All of us miss you guys, uh, miss the sport of softball, miss anything uh, athletic-wise. And this was going to be a great week. We had had to refund 
um, a lot of money on tickets because we had sold uh, three over 3,000 season tickets this year. We had sold close to $70,000 worth of tickets just for the USA-Alabama game. And that was March 31st. And obviously that didn't happen. Uh, and then we were, we were well on our way to breaking every attendance record for this tournament, uh, which what's today is Monday. All the teams would have started to come in. You guys probably would have been here. And then, uh, practices were all set for tomorrow. Um, but you know, one of the, one of the, uh, I guess the silver lining was, uh, the SEC gave all the tournament hosts, uh, who were supposed to host this spring, they gave that championship back next spring. So we will still have your flowers in the press box for everybody. You know, we'll have all the gift cards and things that we were going to do for you guys still. Uh, and our, I, I really think with the Olympics being postponed, everything in college sports being postponed, that there will be a new, like a, a hunger that you've never seen for sports next year. And, and softball included. You know, it is year 2021 could be the best year ever for the sport of softball. And you could, you know, culminate with the Olympics in, in Tokyo. So we're all looking forward to it. Coach, um, if anyone has ever watched an Alabama game on television or obviously been at the Rhodes house, you know that your, your fans are some of the best in the entire game. Um, and this has been a hard week for for everybody or hard year, I guess, for everybody. Have you been able to keep in touch with your fans? Have they reached out to you, to the team? What's what the communication on with the We fans? just sent out a, um, a thank you letter. We're, okay. we're big on thanking our fans, thanking everybody that does anything for us and having an attitude of gratitude. So we sent out a letter that um, it was a letter for me, um, just thanking everybody for buying a season ticket and we miss them. We apologize for what happened. It's just, it's just beyond anybody's control, you know, and obviously the, the safety and well-being of the fans, the athletes, the umpires, anybody, you guys is first priority. And you guys know that. So we just try to keep in contact. The next thing we're going to do is we'll probably have a thankathon where we'll have, um, we'll divvy up our season ticket holders among all our coaches, some of our staff. And everybody will call 20 to 25 people on that season ticket list. Um, so just to keep in contact with everybody. That's awesome. Hey, along those lines, um, what's it been like to keep in contact with your team? And, like, what have the virtual meetings been like? Like, if I'm a fan and I keep hearing that Alabama and Florida State and everybody are having these virtual meetings, what goes on inside the meetings? And also, are, are there any workouts? Like, can you help with that? Like, take us into a virtual meeting and what you can do with your team now. Well, I think all of us, you guys included, um, got really uh, acclimated to Zoom. So we would have a weekly Zoom team call, and our entire staff would be on. Strength coach, academics, SID, Nathan was on, our athletic trainer, our nutrition person, uh, Frank. So everybody would check in. I'd have a random question that everybody would have to answer and not just how you doing, but you know, they'd really have to think about the answer. Uh, one time we did a 60 second scavenger hunt and wherever you were at on the zoom call, I said, you have 60 seconds to find something wherever you're at. And some people were in their car. Um, 
to, and something of value, something that you value. So I said, ready, set, go. And then, you know, of course, all of everybody's screen now is empty because they're running around their house or wherever. And um, then they'd come back and we randomly picked four to um, tell everybody what they picked. And uh, Abby Dora, our, our freshman from Oregon, all of a sudden you see her and two of her sisters are standing right next to her. And Abby's got them around and she said, I value these two a lot. And so she introduced everybody to two of her sisters and just things like that. And then we would have a guest speaker. Uh, We had uh, Clay Scroggins, who's just a really, really, really good guy. Some of you guys may have heard of him. Um, He's the pastor of the Buckhead Church in Atlanta, Uh, grew up in Tuscaloosa, has written a couple books. Uh, one of them is called uh, Lead While You're Not in Charge, and it's a really good book. Um, but he talked about loss because everybody is was going through some sort of loss in the country. Um, and our team lost their season. You know, they lost being a part of a team. And he had talked about one of his parishioners, um, one of their uh, parishioners' sons had just committed suicide. You know, it was a oh. 15-year-old boy, yeah. And sad things are going on, but how do you deal with loss? And I think it was one of the most appropriate things that we've had um, during this whole uh, pandemic. Um, how do you deal with loss? And he was terrific. And you know, we'd have a guest speaker every time. And then, you know, last week was our finals, believe it or not. Um, and so the girls are, they're done. So everybody's done with school. And I was asking my athletic oversight, you know, do we continue to have Zooms? Um, you know, and I'm going to ask other coaches at Alabama, do we, because, you know, once the season is over and it's usually we're meeting with you guys in Oklahoma city and then our final meeting is at the hotel, you know, once we either win it or we're done. And then that's our farewell. We never really had that. We didn't have that opportunity. Um, I guess we could do it on a zoom, but obviously I'd much rather do it in person so um, right now, I'm just getting ready for, for next year. Coach, what, um, I know we can talk so much about what we're missing and, and obviously the lack that we have you know, with, our, with your team, with the sport, all the miss, but what would you say are some of the positives that have possibly already come out of this? And this really what we're calling like the great pause, you know, for a lot of these athletes to be able to have that reflection in time to possibly find the silver, silver lining. I think one of the biggest is, first of all, it's not all about you. You know, I can remember the first team meeting that we had when um, we had to cancel the tournament with Texas, uh, BYU, and Bryant. And it was just a shock to everybody. Like, it was done. And I said, you know, we preach this all the time. In the very first team meeting of every year, every single August when we meet again, one of the first things I'm going to say is the quicker you realize it's not all about you, the better off in life you're going to be relationships, work, whatever, being a part of a team. And this was something bigger than anybody. It was out of our control. Uh, but the other thing is don't take anything for granted. I mean, your sport, you know, and, and all of you have been athletes just, I mean, literally boom, it's taken away from you. And, you know, the seniors were upset. They were crying and uh, our fans were upset. And we didn't, you know, everything changed. Like every five minutes, something changed. 
And I can, that first team meeting when I said, this is what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Literally an hour later, Jess, whatever I had just said wasn't true anymore. So we literally had to call them back and say, okay, whatever I just said, forget it. This is the new, the new update. So learning to deal with tremendous adversity. And I guarantee you that everybody want, everybody on this call right now either knows somebody or, you know, six degrees of separation in softball for sure. But somebody that was affected by COVID, somebody that's passed away, somebody that had it. I mean, without a doubt. Um, so I think those are kind of the silver linings. Coach, you talk about all the things that we don't know, but some of the things we do know moving forward as you prepare for next season is the NCAA has granted eligibility for your seniors. So give us an idea of what your roster breakdown will look like, and as you prepare for next year, what do you envision your team looking like? Well, I can remember, Holly, on that, on that when the NCAA uh, council voted yes, and it was touch and go there for a couple weeks and uh, Bailey Hemphill put out a tweet, uh, Alexis Mack, Sarah Cornell did a nice video, you know, and Bailey was, please, please, please let me in this on my own terms. And then I think it was, we never heard the vote, but I think it was pretty overwhelmingly in favor of giving relief to the players. So we were all excited about that. Um, and then on that next Zoom call, I said, hey, you know, if everyone returns as of right now, it's 25 on our roster. And I said, it reminds me of me looking out my window at Coleman Coliseum every single day because I can see the football practice fields at Alabama from my office. And there's 85 guys uh, on scholarship plus another 20 that walk on. So there's 105 guys on that football team that are competing their butts off every single day to get on that field. And I, I'm, I was one of those coaches that liked a smaller roster. So the largest roster I've ever had, Holly, was 20 in 2012 when we won the national championship. So I said the first thing everybody's going to learn to do is compete for a spot, without a doubt, because, you know, we would have six pitchers. Uh, our freshman class would be five new and six returning. So the freshmen would have a class of 11. Um, so this is going to be new territory for everybody. Uh, I think one of the hallmarks of our program is being a good teammate. So we're really, really going to have to push being a good teammate with 25 people on a roster. I mean, it's Michelle and Jess, it's like an Olympic roster. Yeah. Everybody is good. Yeah. I mean, you have either a lead off or everybody hit three or four hole yeah. on your team. But that's, so, that's a good thing, right? I mean, that's – yeah. Yeah, you have great scrimmages against each other. You have full and squats. That's that's <laughs> one of the first things I said. I said, you guys, this is the first time in my career that we will have a red team and a white team, and we can go to different dugouts and literally have two pitchers or three on yeah. each team. And I won't have to use, you know, myself playing third base in the grass, being, a, you know, afraid of a line drive. So – you know, I think there is cut down a lot on the errors during practice coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that, the competitive coach. So some schools we saw Wisconsin already come out and say that they wanted their seniors to move on 
And I think part of this would, would have been a financial decision is it's expensive to carry 25 kids on a roster. So what conversations did you have with your athletic administration that this was something you were going to honor those seniors? Well, I think Mr. Byrne really was a favorite from the very beginning because he had, they had a, a sack uh, Zoom call one night where the student athletic committee, um, you know, people from every sport are represented on this committee. Every, every school has it. And Bailey, uh, is one of our, um, SAC members, Kaylee Tao, and then Jenna Johnson, one of our freshmen. So, and he had spoke to everybody and said, Hey, we're going to do whatever we can to make this happen. Um, because you know, you have tennis, you have golf, um, baseball and baseball is a whole different animal. Um, you know, I talked to our baseball coach and they're dealing with the, the draft. They're dealing with a smaller draft with only ten, five to 10 rounds. They're dealing with a much bigger roster. Um, and it's, it's very, very tough for baseball. And I talked to several college baseball coaches and they had wished that they were taken out of that equation because it is so different. You know, they have scholarship, um, limits. It's 25%. You have to give somebody if you're on scholarship. 27 of your 35 have to have some sort of aid. Um, so it's totally different than, than softball, golf, and tennis. Um, One of the things I think, Murph, um, that a lot of fans are intrigued by is, you know, moving forward with all the uncertainty. You guys have done a great job of almost being – you can almost take care of yourselves, right, the program. But, but at almost, on almost every other campus, and, and even at Alabama, the football is crucial. And the football may, in, as it looks right now, will be the first thing that is going to try and come back. So can you sort of just give us a quick synopsis of how important the football money is for every other sport on campus, but also in college towns, how important the fan involvement is economically at a game or, or on a Saturday in Tuscaloosa and why – that discussion of whether or not we need to play with fans or without fans is, is so important. Well, first of all, I would invite all of you to come to T-Town. You know, I know Beth's, Beth has been there. Holly's been there. I don't know if Michelle, Amanda knows big time college football because of Texas A&M. <clears throat> Jeff was Stanford. Um, Michelle, you were Oklahoma State, so everybody's seen it. But I would definitely invite you guys to come to um, – a weekend in T-Town. Seriously, you guys need to come. We'll play a fall ball game on Sunday so you can watch us on Sunday, watch football on Saturday, and it is something else. So, first of all, everybody knows that football drives the bus. Regardless, any school, you know, Power 5, non-Power 5, it is a big-time necessity, and everybody else um, reaps the benefits of a really good football program. No different in Alabama for sure. You know, that's why we got the Rhodes House and we can, you know, have the biggest stadium in college softball and um, do a $3 million renovation for basically the SEC tournament this year. So, um, and we love what Coach Saban is doing, you know, he's the best college football coach in the country. But so on a weekend, um, every hotel is full. Everybody's buying gas. Everybody's buying food. Um, if you're tailgate, you're buying food from a grocery store in town. Uh, waiters and waitresses are getting tips Friday night. It starts Friday night. If you, you're at, at the Rhodes house on a Friday afternoon at five o'clock, you will see a parade of RVs come into town because they can't come into town until five o'clock because it's still school. So at five o'clock, 
on the highway right above the softball stadium at Rhodes House, and you guys know what I'm talking about, you will see a line of over a 1,000 RVs waiting to park on specific lots. And that's one of the most fun things you can do on Friday night because you can go around these parking lots, and if you have anything Alabama on, really if you have anything, uh, any school, they will say, are you hungry, and they will feed you. And that's one of the coolest things, uh, just the friendliness of our fans. But just that whole atmosphere. And then they don't leave Beth until Sunday morning, noon. So not only are they eating breakfast, um, they're spending more money, and then they're all buying gas on the way out of town. So the economic impact is absolutely um, huge for everybody in town. And I was, I was thinking of that too, because this week we, we were going to make a huge impact on Tuscaloosa with softball because you guys were coming into town. You basically rented out a whole hotel yourself with ESPN people, all your staffers, all the camera people and, you know, every team, all their fans, all the media that were coming with their fans. I mean, it was, it was going to be a big deal for Tuscaloosa because graduation was last weekend. So now this weekend, softball was going to take over. So it's it's a huge economic impact. Pat, we're in, we're into the mayhem, of course, and and what uh, would be the uh, the start up to the NCAA tournament and to the Women's College World Series. So we, each week on the podcast, we're going to celebrate a, a national champion. So let's go back to 2012 and uh, share some memories for us. If if anything jumps off the page about the dancing in the rain. Uh, you, you were the SEC regular season champs. You beat Florida. Uh, the only time the home team has won the SEC tournament, you run ruled them um, in T-Town for the SEC tournament championship. You had that huge senior class. You beat Michigan in the Supers, which was huge. And then at the World Series, of course, the three-game series uh, with the finale to beat Oklahoma. Well, you know, and, man, I got to tell you that all I've been doing is watching reruns of softball or, or tape. Or, and um, you and uh, Adam, Amin, it was the Nebraska Super Regional. That was a classic. Oh, it was fabulous. That was so much fun to watch. So we, Peyton Grantham's home run in, like, the 13th inning. You guys did a great job on that. But um, I saw a tweet by Lauren Chamberlain, and I think it was – right after uh, you guys showed um, the 2012 national championship. And she said something about, you know, God, we were so sick and tired of seeing Alabama in the postseason because for some reason we get matched up a lot, but it was a very respectful uh, tweet. And then all our fans were right back and say, Hey, the feeling was mutual. We never wanted to see Oklahoma, you know, especially, uh, you know, when we had to end her career, which was just, it was a, hell of a super regional but I'm running yes yes but in 2012 you know the, the rain was a big story the delay um we felt like um Ricketts was the best pitcher in college softball that year I think she was the player of the year that year uh you know a 6-2 lefty that throws gas and we were supposed to play them at a tournament at Auburn that year it was a it was a Oklahoma Oklahoma State Auburn us it was a really good tournament but our game against Oklahoma was rained out. So that first time we played them, it was kind of like a dress rehearsal because we hadn't seen her. Um, we, you know, obviously on, on film, you can see, but until you step in the batter's box, you don't know what the heck, what the heck the ball does. And 
So we kind of made our scouting report after the first game, and then we made our adjustments for the second game. We knew that they were going to make adjustments for the third game. And then it was just a chess match match back and forth between our hitters, um, their pitch caller. It was Melissa. Um, You know, obviously Patty does a great job. And I just thought it was a very well-played, well-coached World Series. And it was so much fun to be in. Well, thank you, Pat. We appreciate it. We uh, we all have fond memories of uh, of Tuscaloosa and the NCAA tournament, and and of course Oklahoma City. We're all missing it uh, desperately, but uh, you've helped brighten our day uh, with some terrific talk about college softball. Well, I, you know, I I really kind of wanted to pretend when I got on, and I was going to say, Holly, okay, we're going to pretend that this is a mid game interview, <laughs> and I'm we here. Just- Usually, usually every time, you know, Holly's like the grim reaper. We, we either commit three errors, we give up a home run, I make a stupid call as a coach, and then here comes poor Holly to have to interview me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So this was much better. And I always thank you guys at the World Series for everything you do for the sport of softball because you guys work your butts off for, you know, five months. And, you know, we, we can't tell you how much we appreciate you Meg, everybody that does anything for a women's sport at ESPN, it really, really means a lot to us. So we appreciate you guys, and we definitely miss you this week, especially in T-Town. Thank you, Murph. And uh, don't forget that all of the Star Wars movies are available on Disney+. Plus. So start your binge watch, you and Scarborough. That's your homework assignment. And today is the release of the new Star Wars movie. Uh, That's right. Yes. Okay, Amanda, we got homework. I'm telling you, and you will love Ray Skywalker. She is B.A. I mean, Deadly. Yes. I'll text you. We'll we'll, uh, we'll watch it together or something. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. Thanks, Murph. A great discussion uh, with Coach Patrick Murphy on this day of days for Star Wars fans. May the 4th be with you. Um, oh, by the way, happy Mother's Day to you moms uh, coming up this weekend, right? Happy Mother's Day. Uh, this is the, the week yep. that we were supposed to be at the SEC tournament. Um, and then, of course, Sunday was supposed to be Selection Sunday, gang. Um and that's why I, I went to the, this is what the new, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the resistance base right now, uh, for Star Wars fans. This is what the new touch screen was going to look like for Scarborough and Smitty on the show this year. Um, and this is sort of, you know, the, the parody in softball this year was going to be this wild with all kinds of craziness going on. Um, this might be the first time since I've been a mom that I'll actually be with my kids on Mother's Day. Oh, good and bad, right? More no, good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a favorite mom moment, you guys, on Mother's Day? Do you get treated to breakfast in bed? How does that work? My son's been cooking. So, McKaylin, even though he's 24 years old, he has been cooking for us during this pandemic. I get up, he's in the kitchen doing dishes, making breakfast. So, I think I'm spoiled. I, I have the world's best child, and you all have helped me raise him. So happy Mother's Day to all of you because <laughs> he has been raised alongside of all of you at the Women's College World Series. I think he came to his first one when he was 10 years old. So mm-hmm. um, thank you all. He celebrated his 21st birthday in a bar there in Oklahoma City. Some yes. Oklahoma Sooner fans bought him shots. 
So um, that's the kind of mother I've been. I've been raising him on the road with you ladies all these years. He is a force to be reckoned with, just like Princess Leia on your shirt, Holly Rowe. A force to be reckoned with. Yes, yes. Speaking of forces to be reckoned with, Minnesota has developed into one of those in the last several years. We are going to hear from their new head coach, Piper Ritter. She's coming up later on the program. We need to talk a little name, image, likeness, how uh, hopefully much sooner than later we're going to re-socialize and get back to sports. And then also, um, speaking of getting back to sports, Mendoza, firsthand knowledge on the uh, Korean Baseball League, right, is going to start up on our air this week. So we'll we'll hit on all those topics. Let's start out of Minnesota. Piper Ritter played and starred there, was an All-American there as a player, went back to her alma mater. She's been the pitching coach there the last uh, 12 years or so, has cranked out the likes of Sarah Moulton, Sarah Gronwagen, Amber Pfizer, and now she will take over Michelle Smith as the new head coach they have decided to elevate from within. Your thoughts on Minnesota's move here and uh, whether or not a World Series team can get back there and, and get to the champ series. Well, I like it. I think Piper is a great choice because – She's she bleeds Minnesota blood, right? I mean, she's been there her entire career as a player, as a coach. She's not going to go anywhere. And after a couple of years of um, coaches in and out of the program, I think it adds stability. And that's really one of the things that you want, especially when you're recruiting, because when you're trying to sign up these younger athletes, it's tough. It's hard for them to say, hey, I'm going to make a decision, but there's been so many shuffling of coaches in and out that they want to know that when they're coming in and committing to that program, that that coach, that coaching staff is going to be there for them. So I think this is a great move. I like Piper as far as being having the mentality of being able to work with pitchers, um, will rely on the rest of her staff to help her in other areas where maybe she's not as strong. And I think that that's where we see coaching staffs nowadays. So we have a defensive specialist, we have hitting specialists, we have, uh, and it's, it's kind of more like baseball In baseball. You have a manager and then you have your hitting coach, you have your bench coach, you have your defensive coach. So, uh, you know, you're going to probably see more of that approach of, in the softball world. But I think that Piper um, is, is going to look at to build that. So I'm excited. I love the fact too, that she's very, um, as the whole Big Ten is very oriented toward the student athlete and getting the student athletes to to graduate in four years and um, make sure they they earn that great degree. Well, and Minnesota wasted no time. So while Cal is still without a head coach and searching and going through the process, Minnesota was like, nope, we know exactly who we want. We want Piper Ritter. And the response from alumni it has been tremendous on Twitter. You can see the outpouring of love and support for this decision. And they've gone through a couple of coaching changes, right? So, Michelle, you were talking about that stability that she creates, and she's creating it for a senior class. And this will be their third, the, the super seniors, uh, Amber Pfizer and, and the likes. And this will be their third different head coach while they've been at Minnesota. So she does help create that, that stability specifically for that class. More on Piper Ritter coming up. She's going to join us from Minneapolis. Um, Holly and Jess, let's uh, dive right into name, image, and likeness and how this may be something that softball players could take advantage of. Holly, what's the latest? So the NCAA came out with guidelines that they have approved and that they will be voting on as a membership body coming up in July. And those are essentially mirroring some of the state laws that we are seeing go into effect with California and Florida And there's also a federal law that the NCAA is hoping could supersede all of these state laws. But essentially, they want student-athletes to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. But 
we've seen some of those guidelines be that they cannot wear their uniform. So for example, if Baker Mayfield were to do a spot, he couldn't be in an Oklahoma football jersey, but he could represent himself. So I think school moving to the standpoint where they want to protect their brand. If you think about it, schools and conferences put millions of dollars a year into brand management and brand um, evolution and making sure that people know their brand. And so I think that we're going to see schools become a little more protective of their brand while allowing their student athletes some freedom to make money off their name, image, and likeness. The other area to keep in mind is that social media is going to be huge in this. So one example I've heard was a a female soccer player that also plays for the Venezuelan national team. She's got 1.8 million followers on social media. So she can, it can be as simple as her getting paid to post. Um, it's, it doesn't have to be old school mainstream, you know, car dealership ad or a billboard. I think we're going to see a lot of this become influencers on social media. And that seems like a very natural, easy slope. What is an influencer? Is it 500,000 followers that you can start getting paid? I think there's a, there's a number where it's if less than that. I don't know that. I don't have that many followers, but I know I've gotten, I, I actually got paid a thousand dollars to retweet something that Jess did for Players Tribune and Visa. So thank you, Jess. Get <laughs> <laughs> back 10%. Did I get paid? No, <laughs> no, and to your point, Holly, I think back to Caitlin Oashi, right? From UCLA, the gymnast, when she did that amazing routine. And I spoke to her last year about the amount of hits that that got on YouTube. And as an example of your name and likeness, she was not allowed to receive a penny. And you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars that she would have made had she been allowed to post that under her own page and receive the money. And that's, these are examples of where we live in. And to your, both your point, it's not just, Hey, here's a visa commercial and my name is associated with this really for these young athletes and female athletes, especially. I mean, she, she's someone that won't make money very significantly now, but her time was at UCLA and what she was able to do while there and didn't make a penny. So I think about her, I think about, of course, a lot of the female athletes, the male athletes will absolutely benefit, but there are a lot of female athletes. They'll be able to find ways. I think about what Amanda Scarborough is doing with her big business and package deal, Jen Schroeder. They could have started that in college using their name and likeness to be able to create money, create ways post-college. So this is bigger than just your face on an ad. It's so much bigger than that because of social media. Yeah, I, I think there could be an opportunity for some softball players in, in a lot of these college markets to, uh, you know, pick up a little extra something and, and, and good for them. And I, I think it'll be great to keep an eye on that moving forward. Um, a lot of that will, of course, depend on our sort of re-socialization and getting back to sports and getting back to games and and, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty around, but we're, we're starting to hear at least projections on, okay, college football is, is looking at revving back up uh, on time. The NFL is releasing their schedule this season with the hope that they'll be able to kick off again on time. And that would certainly bode well for a lot of the fall sports and, and the opportunity for softball to have fall ball, which, as we know, is, is a pretty big deal for a lot of the younger players to get uh, incorporated with their teams. 
Yeah, I was actually reading up on this before we got on the podcast. And, you know, there's three phases of the opening up America again that the federal guidelines are going to go through. And the colleges are going to follow those phases as well. So uh, to try to stay on the same trajectory. But the thing that was pointed out in this article was that the NCA acknowledged that each institution will come at a different time. So this isn't going to be like, all right, everybody opens up and socialization or resources re-socializations all at the same time, everybody will come at a different time, which that will be a whole other podcast that we can talk about is who's going to be first, who's going to be last, how will that affect their teams, their coaches, recruiting, all the things. Well, and who's going to be the, the test dummies, not test dummies, that's the wrong way to put it, but who's going to be that test pool of athletes? And we're seeing it now with baseball in Asia. Uh, the Taiwanese Baseball League has already started Opening day is this week for the South Korean, the KBO uh, Baseball Association, which ESPN is now going to air because it's 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 live baseball on television. But a lot of concern in South Korea, I've talked to players already, is there's always going to be a next wave when you're talking about a novice um, disease. And so with this, when that comes back, MLB has all eyes right now, especially in South Korea, of how this is going to work without fans limited umpires, limited media. And if there is another outbreak of Corona, we're going to see a delay, I think, for everything that we're talking about. I wanted to say one thing that I learned this week from the Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby is we had a very frank discussion, Amanda, about what you're saying is everyone is not on the same timeline. And part of that reason is that COVID-19 has affected different parts of the country differently. Different communities have been hit harder than most. Think about Seattle, where the University of Washington plays. That has been one of the epicenters, whereas Oklahoma City where uh, and Norman, where the Sooners play, has been very minorly impacted. So he did say that there could be a scenario where different universities can return to play at different times and that a conference would not necessarily wait for all members of that conference to be able to resume play it is that important that college football resumes um, and that the economic impacts can resume. And so let's say, just I'm throwing out just as an example, if Texas can't come back at the same time Oklahoma can, Oklahoma might start playing football games before Texas. Yeah, it'll be interesting, too, for the fans, the amount of travel. Um, it, does a team come in and it's only the team that, that the fans have to, to watch the games on television. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of, there, there's going to be a lot of different ways to try to create a safe environment. And, and it, it's still as, as a nation, we're, we're still going to have to wash our hands, social distance, do all the things that we've been doing to help uh, keep this at bay as much as possible. But I think that um, as we move forward, it's going to be, it's going to be learning. Uh, lesson on many different fronts. And I do like the, the fact that uh, we are keeping an open mind that some areas that have not been touched quite as hard have the opportunity to continue to move forward. Um, can I ask us a question as a group? So we've eased some of the restrictions here in Utah where I am. And I went to the grocery store in my mask and gloves on Friday. And there's people in the grocery store just walking around willy nilly like nothing, like we haven't just been locked in our house for 50 days. So are we allowed to mask shame? You know, we wear masks in college softball, the catchers that like, can we mask shame people if they're not wearing masks? Well, I, I say no, because how do you know if they don't have antibodies? Maybe they've had it already and they're, they're not, a, they're more like immune to it because. 
they have the antibody. I, I don't know. The, you know what I'm saying? We can't, it's hard to judge someone when we don't know their particular medical case. So that, I thought that the, the whole point of the mask was actually not to, so that they won't get it, but it prevents them from spreading anything. Right. That's, that's like, it's not so much a, I'm wearing this mask, so I don't get it. I'm wearing this mask so that anything that I have in my body right now isn't spread. That's what I wish more people understood. It's actually unselfish to wear the mask. It's Correct. about you not potentially spreading it to other people. And, and unfortunately, Holly, that we, we've already seen some instances where the opposite is happening. People are shaming people for wearing a mask. So, um, you know, it, it, I, I still feel like the more social distancing we can do that, I'd rather fault on that side. Uh, than the other. And, and I have had moments where I, I'm out exercising and social distancing and, and you do get a sense that people are getting a little too close and maybe not caring as much. And you're like, Hey, Whoa, keep your space here. Back off a little bit. Let's make sure we're not, you know, jumping back into this too quickly. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to see, I mean, honestly, tonight in the dugouts in South Korea, they're going to be wearing masks when they're not on the field, which is interesting because they feel more comfortable and, and clearly the restrictions while you're playing, but while you're in the dugout, because it's a little bit more, they it's mandatory to wear masks and for any coaches and non-players all have to have masks and gloves on during the game. And Jess, that's interesting because in Asia, I lived in Japan for 16 years, Asia always you would see people in masks. And because, as you mentioned earlier, Beth and Holly, in, in Asia, it's very well known that you wear it to protect others. If you're not feeling well, you wear the mask to so that you're not spreading um, your germs. And in the U.S., we don't think it that way. We think if we're wearing the mask, we're protecting ourselves, not that we're protecting others. So that really, I think that more the Asian countries are more um, up to date on the fact that, Hey, I'm, I'm keeping my germs to me. I'm not keeping your germs away from me. So. Well, I think we should be a pro mask podcast. Can I just put okay. that out there? We get on um, All right. seven innings podcast masks. Let's get working on that. <laughs> and now for some good news while we're home and uh, self-isolating and taking care of ourselves, Kim, comma, PR superstar, who is wonderfully backlit, by the way, on the podcast right yes. now, has uh, some information about softball uh, coming up on the ESPN networks that uh, we can all enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Kim, PR superstar. <laughs> so actually, we will have almost 20 games across our networks this week. Um, I won't go through them all, but a couple of highlights on Wednesday, starting at noon on EU, we will have six games from this past year's um, St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational. So keep an eye out for those. Um, SEC Network has a pretty full slate this weekend. Keep an eye out on their Twitter handle on Wednesday for the fan vote that whatever um, – Whatever game wins that fan vote will be on Friday night and then again on Saturday morning. So we will actually be putting out social cards. So keep a keep an eye out on the Seven Innings podcast ha- handle. Um, we'll kind of get these schedules out to everybody um, throughout the week. Kim, is the game where the lights went out in Clearwater? Is that oh, what's going on? Do you guys I think so. That was the South Carolina-Washington game, right? Yeah. So that's at 10 p.m. So, yeah. Oh, right. oh Wow. It's night. Very fitting that they put yeah. that in. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sure hope we can we can re-enjoy that half an hour of fill that we had to put on the air. That was a lovely moment. <laughs> what is your mug, Beth? You keep drinking so sexily out of this mug. What is that mug? That is, okay, so 
if, if I may just do one, one thing, if I can reach out to the marketing folks at Disney, it's really easy to find all the princess gear in the Disney stores. It's not as easy to find, you know, what I would call the, you know, the sort of badass women of Disney. So I did find a Ray mug. What's the coffee shop uh, down at Mississippi State there attached to the gas station? Strange Brew. So I have my Ray mug, and of course I have uh, done, done a little bit of a change from May the 4th be with you to May the 4th be with you since we're taping on May the 4th. And since I am on the resistance base with the techno uh, touchscreen behind me there, yes. So we're, we're all – I'm, I'm impressed, I think, most by the fact that Amanda's Princess Leia buns have held together this long, even oh. though I haven't seen her turn to the side. There she goes. <laughs> I can't move fast. They'll fall. Holly knows. She gets it. Yes. More badass women. Have you recognize mine? Sure, if we could. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm Chewbacca. Can we tell the listeners yeah. what Jess called you? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> Chewy, you never looked so cute. Oh, Chewy. Chewy. Oh, it's the same color. It's so cute. Mendoza, Mendoza and I wish she would talk about as much as Chewy in the booth. Sometimes she gets a little chatty up there. <laughs> just the occasional. Can I just say one other thing before we move on? Can I say one other thing before we move on? So Saturday we had a full slate of softball games for the Women's College World Series all day long. And can I just say to you women, I, I'm going to cry. I feel so honored to work with you. I'm listening to all these broadcasts back and just thinking you all kick our producers, our directors, our camera people. I am so proud to work for ESPN softball coverage. It's unbelievable. And you women in the booth, you are just absolutely the best. And I just want you to know how loved and appreciated you are. I'm happy to be on your team. Oh, thank you, Holly. Holly. Let it go, Holly. Let it go. Let's see them. There they are. There (laughs) they are. How many people have you made cry, Holly Rowe? We are blessed to make you cry once. (laughs) <laughs> love you guys <laughs> hey uh, we got Piper Ritter coming up from Minnesota and don't forget folks may the 4th be with you joining us now on the 7 Innings Podcast the new head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers coming uh, to us virtually live from Jane Sage Coles Field there in Minneapolis um, is Piper Ritter, and a name very familiar and somewhat synonymous with the Minnesota Golden Gophers program. Welcome, uh, Piper, and congratulations, first of all, on your promotion. And what has the last uh, 48 hours been like for you? Um, it hasn't changed much, to be honest. Um, I know it, I know usually when you transition from an assistant or even transition from a school to a different school, there is a lot of whirlwind behind it. But a lot, the only thing is I've gotten way more text messages than I ever have. So, um, that's probably been the main thing. I'm still working on the schedule, still working on, you know, things for, you know, things for the fall, um, trying to get my staff together. That's probably what I'm doing right now is trying to figure out when we do get to go on the road. And when that happens, if I can um, be ready to, you know, take a full staff with me. All right. Let's send it over now to Hall of Fame stadium reporter, Holly Rowe. 
<laughs> well, Piper was there at the Hall of Fame Stadium last year with the Women's College World Series. And I think it's really neat, Coach Ritter, because you, you guys have gone through two head coaches in the last three years there at Minnesota. And I really like that they wanted to stay with someone who was consistent with the program. 13 years you've been there. And all I needed to know is Lindsay Whalen tweeted that she supported your hire. So if Lindsay <laughs> Whalen is okay with you, then so am I. Uh, but but what, what importance did it say to you that this was something they wanted to keep continuity with this coaching staff for this team? You know, I've, I've always believed in Minnesota. That's probably why I've been there for as long. Um, you know, whether it's a different head coach and I was in an assistant role, but I've, de- I've believed in the athletic department. I always have, um, from when I was a player to when I was a coach. So I, I knew they always did what was right for the program and what was best for the program's needs right then. So I was very excited to take this opportunity. Coach, one of the things that I feel like coaching at your alma mater, there's there's always this sense of pride that goes into the student athlete and understanding what it means to be um, even more than just winning. What would you say is a main goal besides what you're going to accomplish on the field that you learned even being a student athlete there yourself? You know, you know, I think that's right. I think when you go out and you recruit, like I, I you know, I say things from the heart mainly because I have been at Minnesota and that's probably all I know. But, you know, I, I know what classes they're going to. I know, you know, I know where they work out and, you know, I've, I've been and I've worked out in the same spots that they've worked out. And I think just moving forward, you know, I, I want to continue, you know, making them excellent in the classroom, both in the classroom and on the field. I think that's a, it's a main priority. I think there's a lot of things that you can do at Minnesota to be great. Um, we're very good at softball, and um, I hope to continue to be very good at softball, but I want them to leave with an ed- a degree in an education to move forward. Coach, you've gotten to coach um, specifically in the bullpen. So many great pitchers, Sarah Gronewagen, Sarah Moulton, Amber Pfizer as of recently. Um, what have you learned from being a pitching coach and getting to coach those athletes about yourself and just about pitching that has made you a better coach? Oh, um, I, you know, I, I've learned that I'm really good at my little niche. I, um, I love pitching. I love coaching pitching. I love watching them, you know, just grow through like learning, like what pitches they need to have to be successful to, to keep going. And I also know that it's an important part of the, the game. And so, you know, as transitioning to a head coach, you know, it's still going to be very, very important to me. Um, it, it, nothing's changed with that, but I think, I think learning, learning just kind of their growth through it and how they, they grow through the circle and even how they grow off the field is um, probably helped me, you know, transition it to the other, the other positions well as well. Coach, what do you see your roster looking like uh, next year? I know um, Wisconsin's come out and said that um, they encourage the seniors to move on. Um, What what is Minnesota doing and, and what do you see your roster looking like? Um, next year, I know, um, we do have a handful of, um, if you want to call them super seniors, they are coming back. Um, you know, we're, I know the big Ten's really strong in this, but everyone graduates in four years, um, in the big 10. So it's really whether they're ready and they're ready to go on and, and do grad school. So, um, that's kind of, if they're ready to take that transition and they wanted to do grad school and, you know, the university of Minnesota has great programs and then they, you know, feel like they can get in the program they want. We do have a handful of seniors that are going, um, that will be with us next year and they'll all be in grad school for. So we're excited for them to continue their education. 
Uh, Amber Pfizer came out before the coaching change, um, Piper, and said she would be back, and, and Natalie Den Hartog and Hope Brandner and a lot of the big stars from, from last year's team are returning. Usually when there's a coaching change, that means that the team hasn't been doing real well. Uh, in your case, you will have a lot of starters back from that World Series team a year ago. So from the transition with Alistair, who, who built it into a power, Traxel kept it that way and got him to the World Series. How, what's the challenge as a new coach to try and keep that momentum going and, and continue to build on it? Um, I think I'll have a little bit of different challenges that maybe, um, you know, maybe Jamie didn't from, you know, Jamie was a new face and they had to learn a lot of new things. My challenges are going to be, you know, maybe I'm a little comfort comfortable for them. So they need to learn kind of what I feel is important and what I embrace and what I think that's going to help us move forward. So I think that's going to be the challenges for us. Um, challenges anytime are always recruiting and, um, and, you know, student athlete experience. So making sure they all have a good student athlete experience um, moving forward moving forward and going through this. And, you know, I think pitching is the name of the game. I think you win in that circle. So I'm going to keep, keep going out there, getting good, good pitchers and good players from the Midwest. Coach, I have a quick question about that because um, I kind of think sometimes like in football, coaches get hired as a head coach and they stop calling plays or being the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. But in your case, I feel like you're able to still stay very hands-on as the pitching coach and, and maybe do both. What have you been good at, at identifying talent and developing pitchers that you can continue doing as the head coach? Um, you know, I think, I think identifying talent, I think it, it goes across the board. I think, you know, just when you, when you're looking at them, you just want to make sure that they can, you know, especially at the ages, everyone can grow and, and they can, they can grow and learn and do stuff well, but can they do that one thing? Well, whatever it is, do they throw really, really hard? Are they, really, really consistent. Do they have a one great pitch? You know, that's in the pitching realm, you know, hitting's the kind of the other, you know, you can look at that area too, but I just kind of look and see, do they do something elite and really, really, really well? And then are there other things that we can build upon that? So I think that's kind of what I do there. And yeah, uh, you know, calling pitches, I guess is, I, I never thought it was really a, a it wasn't magical, I guess. It's just, it's something I do. I watch a lot of their pitches. I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel very comfortable in knowing what they feel comfortable with and knowing, you know, the type of pitcher that's on the mound and when they can go at them with a certain pitch. So I think it's just knowing your athletes. Coach, this time last year, I'm sure you guys were preparing for the Big Ten tournament and then you go on to host regionals, host super regionals, and then make it to the Women's College World Series. What was what was last year like for your program and for you to, to make it to Oklahoma City? You know, I, I think it, it, it tells you a lot about seating, right? Um, it was, it was wonderful. Um, I feel a little, it, you know, and I enjoyed the journey and I enjoyed the ride and it went quick. Everyone told you to sit back and enjoy some of it. It's very hard to enjoy some of it when you're like, we're at the World Series. We better keep preparing, you know? So, you know, it, it happens really, really fast. Um, you know, there's, there's a little bit of too, you know, with some of the other kids that I really wanted to experience the World Series with as well and, and past teams, you know, I felt for them a little bit, you know, but it was, it was great for the current team to, to get to experience it and, and, and to, and have a taste in it and want some more. And I, I can t- tell you our, our upperclassmen are excited to get back there. Well, Piper, thank you very much. We appreciate the time, and uh, congratulations and, and best of luck to you uh, with the Minnesota Golden Gophers uh, staying home in Minneapolis. Yes. Well done and well-deserved. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you guys.
Well, another good show in the books, gang, the Seven Innings Podcast. You can follow along, of course, on your social media at Seven Innings Podcast. We love to hear from you, the fans. A special thanks to our guest today, Patrick Murphy, uh, talking about uh, not only this season, but the upcoming season and a little trip down memory lane to Dancing in the Rain. Did not mean to rhyme that one, but I'm just that good. Uh, 2012 National Championship. Every week, by the way, we will be celebrating, since the mayhem is officially underway, a national championship team. Also, thanks to Piper Ritter, the new head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, the longtime assistant, with some of her thoughts on the Gophers moving forward. Can there be another Big Ten champ, the one and only Michigan in 2005. So there you go. Seven innings podcast. Don't forget. Thanks to Kim, the PR, uh, Kim comma PR superstar. We've got plenty of softball to watch this week and we will see you on the road to the women's college world series. Hopefully next year.